there is nothing more valuable than those broken times to release you back into some authenticity, to let God speak into you as a child, as a son or a daughter. Those are beautiful and profound moments at this point, and not to be hated or disdained. This is the Worship Circle Podcast. Hey, worship leaders, this is Todd Fields, and I want to welcome you to another episode of our Worship Circle podcast. It's a podcast we do every other week because we care about you and we want to stay connected to you, and we want you to know that there's other worship leaders just like you in churches all over the place who understand what it's like to be a worship leader and stand on a stage and do this thing called song leading, called worship leading. Um, We understand the power of worship for the church and, and as an attractive magnet to draw people who don't even know God to the glory of God and the presence of God. We believe all that. We are for um, our King Jesus, and we're so glad you're listening in today. Um, if this is your first time, there's plenty of episodes before this, but this is going to be an awesome episode because our friend Charlie Hall is going to be up in just a minute, and Charlie's been a great friend for a lot of years and uh, has just really been an amazing pastor to a lot of worship leaders and Charlie is a deep well and just walks with God and um, inspires me in such a great way and has inspired so many leaders along the way. But I don't know what you're in this week, but I'm coming to you live. Well, it's not live. It's recorded. It's night, and my family just moved all the way from Atlanta, Georgia to San Francisco, California, and I am literally in our new rental home in a town where you might hear a train go by. It's called West Portal. It's part of the city of San Francisco. Uh, we came out here to serve at a church called Epic Church and to partner with them to lead worship and uh, grow the worship team. And we're so excited about that. The pastor's name is Ben Pilgreen. He and his wife, Shauna, are just doing an amazing job leading and mainly just following Jesus. And Jesus is doing a really cool work here in the city of San Francisco. So My wife Carrie and I are going to tell you guys more about that in another episode, but it is night here, and I wanted to record this because I wanted this episode of Charlie to get out tomorrow. So, um, And I just want to give you guys a plug. You know, some of you are thinking, maybe you've listened to the Worship Circle podcast before, and you've heard about the program. Um, God used this whole thing, you know. He started it three years ago in my life, but I just want to say from the guy that God gave this vision to, um, I can't tell you how awesome it was last week. We had a worship circle session and my small group guys, you know, we just moved to a brand new city, so many different things, trying to settle in, meeting some amazing and great people in our church. Um, there's times where you're feeling like, This is amazing and awesome, and there's other times where you feel kind of off-kilter because everything you've known has just been uprooted and changed. But check it out. I I knew the Worship Circle session was coming up. My my wife Carrie was back home getting our house packed up, had the flu. It was crazy. My younger two boys, Connor and Colin, were out here in San Francisco. We were trying to get going with work and getting them in school. It was just a really tough week, and I can't tell you guys how awesome it was for me as a leader of a small group to be able to connect online and have community with guys that have been consistently 
in my life for the for the past few months and we've been going deep and learning more about each other learning more about jesus learning more about the power of his spirit and to know that no matter what circumstances you're going through whether you're you know you feel at home and things are going great or you're a little bit off and you're you're in a valley to have a small group of guys like that to lean into who are in churches serving other places and who totally understand and to hear them pray for you. I'm the group leader and I was just kind of going, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing around the world, literally with small group community online with this thing that's totally yours. So that's not a sales pitch or anything. That's just me saying, um, community is a big deal and there's a lot of things that you're going to face day in and day out, but we've seen God do powerful things in these small groups. If you've, if you're interested in checking it out, um, it's, it's great. And there's a summit coming up February 27th from two, two to 5 PM Eastern time. And you can sign up for that. There's already registration happening and those spaces are filling up. So if you go to worshipcircle.com forward slash summit you can register right now and reserve your spot you get to choose whose community group you want to be in for the summit and basically you're just trying out what community is like online with a mentor of your choosing and our mentors are jeremy riddle meredith andrews christy knuckles paul balash kim walker smith and myself todd fields and uh, we'd love to see you in a small group so if you're listening now don't miss the opportunity. These spaces fill up. So go ahead and register now at worshipcircle.com forward slash summit. Jump in and we will look forward to seeing you online so you can taste this thing that I'm talking about. It's just, um, it's a powerful thing. Connection is a powerful thing. And what we do week in and week out in church uh, can be tiring. Um, we can be misunderstood. We can have things going on in our life that to talk to another worship leader um somebody that totally gets what we're going through is just a really good thing. And more, more importantly, the spirit of God just, just, you know, joins us in these meetings and it's really, really powerful. We'd love for you to jump in. Um, if you haven't followed us on social media, go to Instagram. It's at worship circle. We'd love to, to see your name pop up your username and for you to get to follow along with, uh, some of the things that we put out on those channels but without waiting any longer, I just want to say that um, the first time I heard Charlie Hall, uh, I was working at North Point. Passion had just started. 722 had just started. And Charlie came to North Point to lead at 722 one week. And I just loved Charlie's heart. And um, he was just real. He was a real guy that, that was real about his faith, real about his life, and but more importantly, loved Jesus. And his songs were just always honest to me and are always honest to me. And um, I'll never forget Give Us Clean Hands leading that one, you know, week after week and in different places and um, so many other great songs that Charlie wrote for Passion through the years. But I can't wait for you to hear his story and I can't wait for you to hear some of the things he's learned in his journey with God through the years. And uh, you're going to want to get a pen and a pad out and take notes because Charlie has... Uh, just been a great um, example of what it looks like to follow Jesus in the mountaintops and the valleys of life like we all do. But he's just been such a faithful servant of God, and I can't wait for you to hear from his heart. Hey, everybody. I'm excited to have Charlie Hall uh, with us today on the Worship Circle podcast. Um, 
I've known Charlie. Gosh, Charlie, do you know how long it is? It's really uh, since Passion started. <laughs> yeah, so probably 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> quite a while. But, um, man, we've walked, you know, similar streams and different streams, but all kind of headed in the same direction through the years. Yeah. But, man, it's just an honor to have you here today. And uh, I can't wait just to go through some of these questions and talk about uh, some of the things you've learned on your journey in this thing we yeah. call worship leading. Yeah. <laughs> Golly. So let's start with this. I know um, for all of us, music plays some kind of a piece in our life. And as you look back in your life, kind of, you know, even as a kid, what were some of the things musically that kind of piqued your interest a little bit? You know, more than Happy Birthday or Mary Had a Little uh-huh. Lamb. Like, what were the what were the musical things that you're like, man, that that's doing something in my heart. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I would say like. Early, early on, the music I was listening to was obviously, you know, what your parents are listening to. So uh, I was getting a lot of Beach Boys and, and Beatles yeah. uh, growing up, and uh, along with talk radio. So <laughs> those were kind of my initial things. And then when I started kind of um, gravitating toward my own music, it was like, it was just the stuff that's cotton candy that tastes good and disappears after a while. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but pop music and things like that. And then as I, as I started diving into like songwriting in my junior high years, I picked up the guitar and then I really started gravitating toward like, you know, people that were attempting to say something, you know? So I was, I became a, an Eagles fan and James Taylor fan. And, um, but all the while listening to, you know, uh, all the, all the rock and roll that was, in existence at that time. Yeah. So it's, I'm a, I'm a hodgepodge of, uh, of music and, and That's good. Uh, I love it. Yeah. What were your parents thinking about? Tell me a little bit about your family background. Just what were your parents thinking as you were kind of starting to think about music more, lean into it a little more? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I, my, my parents are, are good folks. My mom's, my mom's awesome. And, uh, a compassionate listener, very motherly. And then my dad is very much a, a father of those, um, of those years where he, you know, he was a sportsman and a hunter and uh, a green beret in Vietnam. And, wow. uh, so they, they have, um, they are two extreme personalities and, uh, and that's what I was raised under. So my closest friends would say, you kind of have a split personality, to me. Yeah. And I'm like, I know exactly where it came from. I've got this um, <laughs> awesome, crazy dad and this super compassionate mom and, and I can exist in both those personalities pretty easy. Yeah. Um, so I think as I started to dive into music, you know, um, my mom would probably lean toward like, you know, it's good for him to follow his dreams, you know? And then my yeah. dad would probably lean toward like, what's happening to my son? Um, <laughs> But uh, I think as the years went by and they saw what, you know, um, of course, when I started with music, I my, I didn't have a redeemed heart for Jesus. And yeah. So um, I think in in a lot of ways, they would look at that like, what is this? This could be a waste of time, yeah. you know, and especially as I got older and I wanted to like, um, I had a period where I wanted to move to Nashville, you know, after college and be a singer songwriter. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then God got my heart and I started writing prayers. Um, you know, when I started writing, we, we weren't, we weren't calling it worship music. We were 
just it was spiritual music toward God and yeah um and so uh um then they started seeing like okay well it could be that you know he's a a minister with his music so I think as that unfolded they they started to kind of gravitate toward okay we we'll get behind this right that's amazing so what you talk about you know singing it wasn't really worship music at the time but you guys were starting to just kind of write your heart to God with some songs and it was that just you by yourself or what was going on you you met Christ at that point or other people or was it just a kind of a you and you and God yeah i think it at 17 was when when God saved me yeah and um i had already had 4 years of tinkering around with songwriting and so it just like it just naturally made sense for me to start writing prayers and writing my heart. And the beauty of that time, you know, was I I had no restraints. Like I didn't know that there was um, formulas for worship music or pop music or songwriting. I I had no idea. I was just writing. And that was when I think back on that, um, it just made things I was singing really unique. And, um, so the there was no there was no bars there was no fences around me, and uh, I think back on those times and I and I wrote really passionate um, music for a young for a young guy really yeah. wanted to pursue Jesus you know and at that time my my biggest influence was a you know a dead man um, named Keith Green yeah and. Um, and so uh, I don't know why I presented it like that—a dead man named Keith Green. But yeah. nevertheless, <laughs> he was at the time. Said, yes, he was at the time. So um, I just saw the passion in his music and his fearlessness to mm-hmm. say whatever he wanted to say. And um, of course, there's there's gold and shadow in that. And I've, as I've grown older, I, I see that. But um, I just emulated like whatever I want to say. You know, whatever I'm whatever I'm thinking about the church and you know, asking them to repent and right. crush their idols. And I would say things like that in my music. And Give um, us clean hands was an example of that. <laughs> yeah, give us clean hands was an example of my younger writing and meditating on Psalms and trying to reflect the Bible and um, and not sugarcoat it so that lots of people could sing it. You know, right. it was more of like, no, don't sugarcoat it. It's not about a lot of people. It's about you being genuine to the to the lyric and mm-hmm. to the scriptures yeah man that's so good so um at what point i know a lot of the people listening know christy knuckles and nathan and what point i know you guys kind of connected at some point in this whole journey when you guys were younger yeah didn't you and nathan yeah. have a, a lawn business well yes i mean we went to <laughs> we met in probably uh It'd be eighth or ninth grade junior high football. Oh wow! And um, and so um, and if you've ever seen me, it's it's not clear that I would have ever played football <laughs> based on my frame. But yeah. in, but your in dad was high. a green beret. So but my dad was a green beret. You had the fierceness had, in you. I had the intensity. Yeah. Just, I'd also weep over the people that I hurt. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. um, so we met in junior high and you know, on and on through high school, we had, you know, we just knew each other. Um, around our senior year was when, um, I started spending time with, uh, him, him and another friend of, of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, we were in drama together <laughs> and, uh, um, and 
so we would go to lunch and hang out and he would say like, out of all the people I went to high school with, Charlie was the last guy I would have ever said would have come to know Jesus. <laughs> wow. Um, and I was just a mess. And, uh, so, um, so when I started, when God got my heart in the middle of my senior year, we really, our relationship started connect, mm-hmm. really connecting and we started, you know, tinkering around with music and, and by our freshman year in, in college, we were really writing songs and, um, starting to record. And, mm-hmm. um, so that was around 18, 19 was when we started recording. And then within a few months of writing and recording, we were traveling a little bit around our region together. And, and after a couple of years of, you know, what, what we knew as Nathan and Charlie, uh, he met Christy mm-hmm. and, um, she sang pretty good. So it was like, okay, we, we need to be, you know, yeah. we need to be a trio. Yeah. Um, and that's when we became sons and daughters. Crazy. Yeah. I tell Nathan and Christy, I heard you guys CD at a friend's house, literally across the street from where we live now on their deck. We were doing a thing called 722 and I heard this music and I'm like, this is really good. <laughs> there was this, you know, it was back when what we call praise and worship was kind of moving past the octave Maranatha thing into yeah, like there's just different songs coming out and it's like stuff starting to happen. Yeah. I remember hearing that and then I remember um, your Joel's Window album, just yeah. hearing, hearing about you from Louie and the crew at Passion. Yeah. And so from there, I mean... Lots of stuff going on, but at some point you connected with this guy named Louis Giglio, and yeah, what was that? What was going on? Yeah, I remember. I remember a lot of uh, songwriting and um, worship, and I was in a um, I was in a church that um, existed in um, intercession and what. some know to be called the prophetic ministry where mm-hmm. you would do a lot of listening to God and praying and singing and crying out. And those things all kind of went together. Right. And so that was my season that I was in spiritually is just like, you know, God was always speaking. I was always trying to listen, position myself to listen and to songwrite and to help the people that I was praying with to really cry out these prayers in songs. And, um, so along that time was when Louis um, called me, and I, I kind of knew of who he was as a as a speaker and a minister. Um, but he called me and said, "Man, I've been listening to a lot of your music and Nathan and Christie's music and mm-hmm. sons and daughters' music, and we're uh, we're God has been speaking to us to to step into this stream of college ministry where we really call a generation to." Um, to know Jesus and for them to, for him to be their life. Yeah. And in using that language during that time, it was my, like my hope always for a whole generation to, yeah. to see Jesus, you know? Yeah. And it, it's such a big um, concept, a big idea, you know, for a whole generation to see Jesus would turn a whole tide mm-hmm. for, for decades. Yep. Um, but, you know, I can't do that, and Louie can't do that, but God could do that. And I liked that God was speaking to him the yeah. same thing that he was saying to me as a young guy. And so I was in. I mean, I just felt the vision, and I felt the leadership, and yeah. um, I jumped in with, with all I could. So, 
Yeah, man, that would just, I wanted to pause. I was just thinking I need to say this just on behalf of a lot of us that are listening. Thank you for um, saying yes to that call in that season. Um, there's, you know, we're all still in seasons and you're in a season where God's using you in a powerful way. But as we talk through this journey, I just know there's going to be people listening that are like, hey, I was there at that, you know, I was there at one day, I was there at, yeah. you know, this event in this city and that gathering and that whole generational prayer that was going on that you were a part of, Charlie, I think spurred a lot of people listening and a lot of, you know, believers were called in the ministry. And I think people just decided, hey, this Jesus is somebody that's real and I want to take him serious. I want to give him my life. Yeah. So on behalf of... <laughs> Those that are listening, thanks just for stepping into that. So you guys did, I mean, a lot of music, a lot of records, a lot of great songs. And I just always loved your pastoral heart in that. And I remember um, just the way you led was always so pastoral. And Carrie and I got married kind of right as that was starting. But just mm. an amazing group of years there. Um, yeah, amazing time with the team and things changing, but always being about the name and renown of Jesus. It was really yeah. cool, cool movement. How many years was that whole just passion period for you? Well, we just celebrated the 20th yeah. year of passion. So I think, you know, I started talking to Louie a, a year before, before that. And mm-hmm. of course you're stepping into something you don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, and really like, I mean, it's, it's an honor to, to even get to be a part of something that, you know, in my, in my mind is, very historical for me and for a lot of people. But then even as we started to travel, like outside of the United States, Mm -hmm. uh, as passion, you started to see how it was shaping the church around the world. And, um, I mean, I feel like my part in that is a, uh, a, a trickle in the bucket of, you know, of the bigger picture of what God was doing everywhere. But man, it's, it's amazing to go. I, you know, I, I cried out for revival as a young man and over a 20 year period, you you've seen people get saved, mm-hmm. healed, prodigals return to God. Um, people called into ministry, people using their, um, even their vocation as a teacher or a military, you know, person to, to tie their life to God. Yeah. And, um, man, what a, uh, you know, your my name won't be remembered. You know, as the years go by, and it's already decreasing in its in its in its you know remembrance. But to look back and to go, my God, literally, my God, yeah. <laughs> look at what you've done. Yeah. So, um, one of the thought I saw a picture the other day of I think the first one day. Are there any mm-hmm. memories you have? I mean, there's obviously plenty of memories, but are there any moments from? Any of those big events that you're just like, that was, I mean, they're all unreal, right? But it's unreal. Is there anything that sticks out as a, just a defining moment for you in leadership or in service or in just witnessing um, something specific that, you know, moved your heart in a way or. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I can't explain. Um, I mean, honestly, in, in, in these years, um, if a young guy came to me and said, I, I have a vision in my heart for a field of, of people laying on their face and crying out to God yeah. for revival. If, if a young man would say that to me, 
I'd be like, man, let's, let's spend some time together and try to look at that, you know, and, you know, and, um, but that's, that was me. I was 17, 18, 19. And I would, I had this picture in my heart, um, Mm. at that time, uh, to see a, a field of people laying on their faces, crying out to God. Wow. And, um, and then, you know, by, by one day, you know, I think it was maybe two, 2000, I remember being backstage, but looking over the fence at, you know, 30,000 people <laughs> on their knees and on their face. And yeah. I just started weeping. Yeah. I was like, that is insane, you yeah. know, um, to, to see that. And you cannot, you know, no young guy can, can go, I see this in my heart. And so I'm going to do it. Yeah. You, you just see something in your heart and you just trust God that, you know, I could have been, I could have hit my seventies, um, and seen that picture and thought back as an 18 year old, like, Oh my God, he did it. But I got to see it in my mid twenties. And that was, that's crazy. (laughs) So you, you know, you've gone on from that kind of season and what, what are you specifically doing right now in, um, in your role and your location, that whole thing? Yeah. So, um, I started making a transition, um, out of itinerant ministry. Um, I, you know, I'd been a part of the local church, you know, for 12 years. And, um, and then while I was doing itinerant ministry at the same time, and then I had a few years where I just did itinerant ministry Mm -hmm. and that was a whole season of, uh, desperate brokenness and, uh, you know, um, human my my humanity um um really being experienced and felt and in, in brokenness and where um people's um lo- different losses and people's sin and my own brokenness yeah all all kind of merging together at one time to just i, I mean level me yeah um and uh i had you know i had a good chunk of years you know, five, six, seven, eight years where I was just leveled by my own brokenness, people's mm-hmm. sin, and um, yeah. and just the norm. The, honestly, the normalcy of living on planet Earth in this world. Yeah. And so, I felt like the Lord gave me a lot of grace to live about fifteen years of ascent right. into like ministry and. Um, his grace and his goodness and anointing. And, and then I've got to experience, you know, five to eight years of desperate brokenness Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, the beauty of descent. And I wouldn't have called it descent at the time. I would have called it (laughs) something much, uh, much more messy. But I, I, looking back, I see like this beautiful descent into, um, into my age and a new season and in a way to sure to, to love the, the local church in a, in a different way. And so currently um, I'm in more healing years mm-hmm. and um, my crowds have, have shrunk to just loving a local church. Um, I'm sitting in a, a, a ministry position as a, as an elder and um, a worship pastor mm. Um, I, I look over four different congregations, um, um, where 
my primary jobs to raise up worship leaders and um, uh, have relationship with musicians and songwriters and yep. um, and help pastor their heart and lead them to a place where we're loving and leading a, a local church That's here in great. Oklahoma City. Yep. Let's. Um, I want to go back to kind of the present day, but let's back up just a little bit. You mentioned brokenness, and I know for people listening, for all of us, we hear that word and we think, no, like, yeah. stop, yeah. like, not that. But what would you say to someone who's listening right now and they're they're just kind of going, Lord, I thought you were kind and loving. Why? Hmm. Why? Why am I going through? this valley or why am I experiencing this broken season? What would you say as, as a man who's walked through that to your brothers and sisters and just as a word of, of uh, somebody who's standing beside them? Yeah. I know that the Lord disciplines those he loves and, um, we live. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm feeling broken, there's some sense that God is a father is a good father. And, um, takes me as a son mm-hmm. and uh, pulls me in close with a little bit of loving pain. Um, it's no different than if your if your kid is uh, running a, across the street and you see a truck coming, you would not hesitate to slap their face and kick them out of the way of the truck. Yep. And so I, I view a lot of my, um, um, a lot of brokenness and discipline as God loving me, pushing me out of the way before a truck hits me. Yeah. And, um, and then the other sense that I have is that we, we live in between, um, in between places. We live in between what's coming where every tear gets wiped away yep. and, and the finished work of Jesus and his resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so we live in a broken world where um, the people close to us sin and it breaks us to pieces or we sin and it breaks us to pieces. And so I, I really want to, I really want to draw a, a line between sin and brokenness because everyone is using that word right now, brokenness. And yeah. it's a nice, it's a, it's a much more palatable way uh, for people to use sin. And so I've got my sin and I've got my brokenness that comes from my sin mm-hmm. and I've got my friend's sin and the brokenness that, comes that I have that comes from their sin. And, you know, if I've, if I've, you know, if I've been abused in any form or fashion as a child, um, that was someone's sin against me. And then I have to live and walk in the brokenness of that. So there's all, there's, there's all of that coming at us, Mm -hmm. um, all the time. And, and it's, it's, um, if we can sit in a space with God as a father and a healer and a friend and a brother and a savior and a resurrected king um, during those valleys and those broken or sinful moments, which they're all coming for us. I mean, all that's coming for us in one Mm -hmm. form or fashion. If we can sit with God in those moments, um, there is nothing more valuable than those broken times uh, to release you back into some, some authenticity to let God um, yeah. uh, speak into you as a child, as a son or a daughter. And, um, those are those are beautiful and profound moments at this point, and not to be hated or disdained. Yeah. Has your song changed at all? Like what's coming out of you or what your heart wants to say um, in this season? Is it, you know, is that, is that changed as you're 
journey has gone on. Yeah. So I think it's, um, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I just, I just kind of glanced back over a couple of albums not too long ago that I'd written. Cause it, when, you know, I mean, you know, well, that when you write a record, it kind of encapsulates a season of time for you. Right. Um, and so I looked back over a few records and I thought, man, I, you know, I always tried to write as a broken theologian. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like go ahead and say, Hey, I am broken. I am messy. The world is messy, but here's who God is. And we hang, we hang on to him. Mm-hmm. So I think what may have changed over the years is, um, that I want to help people sing, um, more clearly, uh, who God is in their brokenness, you know, right. And, um, help them identify some, some of that. So I, you know, I'll write you know, I'll tag on to an old hymn, uh, the words, um, you'll never leave, you'll never leave me alone hmm. because of your love, your covenant holds me strong. So I may not have used to use the word covenant. Yep. Um, but I understand covenant in a different way with God, but I also understand the fear of humanity of being left. And so I want to help people say, I'm scared of being left alone. I'm scared of being betrayed, discarded. Um, but then I want to say to God, there's, but you have a covenant with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're never going to leave me and you're closer than trouble. You're closer than my sin. You're closer than the, than Manchester, Manchester getting bombed. You're, you're right. closer than all these things. And that's, what's true. Yep. So good. Tell us a little bit about your family. <laughs> I, uh, I have a awesome family. I have a, um, a, we are a modern day blended family. Yep. Um, which just by saying that out loud gives people a, a, a shadowy, <laughs> uh, glimpse into my past. Um, but I own, I own my story and, um, it's a crazy story, but, um, redemption is, is beautiful. Yep. Um, God, God doesn't want a family to break apart. Um, but if by chance, um, and sin in a broken world, it does, mm. um, then he also loves redemption. So yep. um, I'm, I'm living in a, a redeemed blended family with a, four kids and a, an amazing, uh, wife and partner and friend and muse and lover. And she, <laughs> she's a, She's awesome, but we have four kids uh, uh, separately together. That's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, uh, we're uh, three of them are teenagers. Oh wow! And, and one is eight. And um, yeah, it is. It's got its own complexities. I used to think, <laughs> you know, when my kids were little, I was like, I just wish they'd grow up. Yeah, do their own thing and drive and clean their own room. And now I'm like, quit growing up, quit driving, come back home. Yeah, I saw a picture yeah. you posted the other day with one of them driving, and I was like, right there with you, bro. It's like, yeah. <laughs> this is a brand new, yeah, good in some ways and spooky in some. Yeah, it is, man. And uh, all the new things that you can't control. And that's the, man, that's the freaking lesson over and over is like, yeah. you you cannot control anything in this life. You can, you can try to be faithful and have character and integrity and 
make good steps toward the right things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you are not in control and wow. God is God. <laughs> we have this thing called Worship Circle. That's what this podcast is about. You were recently a guest with us, Charlie, and everybody in the whole crew, our whole membership loved some of the things that you said. And I wanted to bring a few of them up for the listeners just because I think they really, really help with the positions we're in in our churches or the roles we play as worship leaders. But one of the things you said right off the bat is that music is a smoke screen to pour into people. <laughs> I heard that and it was like everybody turned their head like, what? What does that mean? But I just wanted you to, you know, you've, you've experienced some stuff and you're making a statement. So what does that mean to you that music is a smoke screen to pour into people? Well, I think, I mean, obviously I, I believe in, in, worship music and yeah. I love music, but I guess what I mean at the end of the day is, is, um, <clears throat> when you're on stage, people, um, connect to you because you're on stage. Mm-hmm. And what I think what God would get, if he were to dig down deeper inside of us, um, he would say, I'm giving you a chance to be on stage so that you can give your life to some people. Yep. And, um, I'm not trying to put you on stage so you can imprint your face and your record into people's hearts. Right. I'm put, I'm putting you on stage so that you can, um, help me build a legacy that points to the glory of God in the, in the gospel. And that's a different motivation to be on stage. And anyone that's on stage knows that you're, you're wrestling with motivation. Um, and even if they don't say that, you know, it's, it's a wrestling match. It's, yeah it's really great to see a lot of people sing your song Mm -hmm. and, um, and it feels good when the affirmation comes that they would buy your record. Right. But, but at the end of the day, what God would be after is you to use that platform Mm. to shout a bigger message of Jesus glory and that he's done everything and he's a resurrected King and God. Yep. That's good. You also talked about three things we do in worship and liturgy that we all need to remember. I love these three. The first one was we help form Christ and people. Um, I love the wording in that. Talk a little bit about more about what you mean by how we as lead, worship leaders can help form Christ and people. Yeah, uh, forming Christ and people is um, <clears throat> it's out of the book of Ephesians. And there's a little passage in there that talks about people are being tossed back and forth to and fro with lies and um, the world and false teaching and false doctrine and um, their own feelings. And they're, um, you know, they're just being tossed back and forth. And the goal of a minister, the goal of a, um, a worship leader who is a minister uh, is to form Christ in people so that there's an anchor um, in their soul to Jesus, so that when they're when everything's blowing them back and forth, they know exactly who God is, who they are, mm. and that Christ is being Christ in the gospel is being formed inside of them, so that they can walk with with steadier with steadier feet on a straighter path. Yeah. Um, and so that um, so what that mean, means practically is the songs that we put inside of people's mouths is training their heart and it's training their mind. Mm. And so, um, you don't want to just put meaningless words right. inside of, inside of people's mouths because it trains their mind. It trains their heart. And I have a, 
I had a, I was a youth minister for about six years and I walked with a guy for from seventh grade to 12th grade. And, um, uh, within a few years of graduating, he was in prison, which points to how good of a youth minister I was. But oh, no. <laughs> when he, when he got out, he said to me, um, Charlie, the whole time I was in uh, prison, I sang the songs you taught us. Wow. And I just thought, dang, man, that's, mm-hmm. that is really intense. Um, and that really points to what we put inside of people's mouths, moves into their heart and trains yeah. their, trains their mind. And it's important. Yeah. We're pastors with a melody. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. The melody's so strong, you know, I remember yeah. my, my grandmother, um, she had dementia, but she was 96, I think when she passed away, but at like 95, I went in and played her favorite hymn was it as well. Yeah. So I remember she didn't know who we were, but we're there in the mm-hmm. nursing home. I'm playing this song, and man, she starts singing the words, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just going, okay, you're exactly right. Like melody and these things. That's why we got to take it. It's an important role. It's important. And you would probably say this to any, these leaders listening too. Song selection is a big deal because we're teaching people something of God about Him. Yeah, giving them voice to say something to Him. So it's a. It doesn't always have to be super serious, but it is a weighty business we're in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the you're you're painting a picture of God. Yeah. Um, that needs to be script, you know, from Scripture, who God really is, because the God that we build up from our imagination doesn't save anyone, doesn't heal anyone, doesn't redeem anyone, doesn't yeah. help anyone. So if if you got a young a young guy or a young girl that's making up God in their songs from coffee shop conversation and they start singing it to some kids those Mm -hmm. kids are going to learn about a god that's not real yeah that's strong we help people remember the power of the gospel that was one of the second things you said just um just the power of what christ can do yeah yeah the um remembering the gospel um and and that can be a buzzword that's overused and we can get numb to it but the gospel is the, the life of Jesus, the work of Jesus on the cross, his resurrection and and his eventual return and everything that kind of goes with that. But I think about, you know, I, I've given my life and my mornings and my evenings and my afternoons to, mm-hmm. to to knowing Jesus and trying to help people know Jesus. And I still am broken and sinful and, um, you know, messy and... Um, so the idea of remembering the gospel through the music or through a Sunday gathering is important because I want to I want to confess my sin with my with my friends and my family, and then I also want to hear in the gospel and what Jesus has done that nothing could take me out of His hand, that mm-hmm. nothing can separate me from God, you know, and celebrate that with tears and clapping and yelling. That's so good. The third thing this is. So good, too. We help people reorient their affections from stuff of earth to Christ. Um, yeah. Reorient their affections. And uh, you and I both know because we kind of grew up in it just from hearing teachings on worship from Louie, but it's like we all have an affection for things and certain things, and our time is consumed by things. What would you say to that for us as our in our role? Well, that's that's the idea, and it's it's not— new i didn't invent it but it's the idea that we're always worshiping Mm -hmm. it just is a matter of what we're worshiping 
And so I might worship, uh, I might worship relaxation or vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, there's nothing wrong with relaxation and vacation, but once, once I put that above God, I, be, I, I live in a world of escape. Um, and once I live in a world of escape, I live, I move toward numbness and, uh, too much wine, too much food, too much play, too much, uh, um, too much entertainment. And once I move toward that, my affections have moved to a place of self-serving as opposed to when I vacation, when I relax with yep. Jesus being the center of that, I move into the idea of Sabbath and soul rest and, mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to sense what God might be saying. And that might be with food and it might be with a glass of wine, but it moves into a place where, it's, it's soul rest in Jesus as opposed to vacation, escape, numbness. Hmm. Wow. Last question. Well, I got two more questions. What would you say to your 25-year-old starting out worship leader self? Like right now, if you could go back, maybe to you and, and, and something you'd pass on to anyone listening who's either just starting out or at that spot. Oh, man, I, off the top of my head... I think I would say um, this is not uh, worship leading is not a place for comparison and competition. Mm. Um, it's a place for you to be yourself in Jesus. And um, those, those things as a, you know, for, for my time and my day and my season as a 25 yeah. year old, um, I had already seen so much work of what God has done, mm-hmm. had done. And then I started seeing like, um, the abuse of people using that, yeah. um, to promote themselves. And, um, in seeing that I chose the simple path of comparison and competition, um, which made me lose a little bit of myself, I think. Yeah. And, um, I know I wanted God's name to increase and my name to decrease um, but what God was after was for me to become myself in him. Mm. And, um, and I took it, I took it to a different place. Golly. I just want to thank you as your brother, because when I think of you, when I've watched you through the years, um, even in the seasons where you're saying now, you know, we all deal with comparison, but, um, I've just always felt like you've been after being your genuine self and who God made you to be. And your word you just gave to younger leaders is huge. Um, I would just echo that, Charlie. I don't know that I could say it any better, but um, mm. God, God created you, you. <laughs> and yeah. The best example of His glory is you being redeemed by Him and being in intimacy with Him and being so okay with, you know, the way He crafted you and what you've been through that you're just resting in it and telling more people to follow that, you know. It's good. I'm, I'm learning in my, um, in, in this season that, um, if, if you don't have a self, then you're constantly trying to go to everybody around you and ask, who am I, who am I? Mm-hmm. And then other times, you know, we have a false self that we're trying to show off to everyone. That's not even you it's yeah. not even real. Yeah. And all God wants is for you to rest in who he's made you to be in him mm-hmm. and how he sees you. Mm-hmm. And who you are in him is is so key to the power of, of Christ in you and your ministry. It's yeah. the mystery. It's mm. beautiful. Gosh. 
Well, man, um, I wanted I wanted to ask you if you just pray us out. But before we do that, sometimes I like to take a detour just because it's fun. What's your most like crazy, embarrassing thing that has happened? If you don't have anything, that's okay. But sometimes I ask leaders that, and I think it helps us just remind us that we're all human. And <laughs> and uh, well, crazy, embarrassing would be like, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I remember some early passion days where, you know, Louis would. Louis would say, you know, we'd be backstage praying and he would say, will you, will you just lead us out and, and shout to the Lord? Yeah. And I would just start singing shout to the North Yeah. with, with the shout to the Lord melody. Or I would, <laughs> or I would, I remember at Passion 99, you know, there's, you know, 12,000 people there. And I thought, man, what a great idea to, to bring back, um, come by here, my Lord, not, not sing Kumbaya, but sing, come by here, Lord. <laughs> and I didn't check the key. I didn't do any yeah. of that. And, I'm in, and we're in this like intense, oh, the power and presence of, of Jesus is in the room. <laughs> and I start singing, come by here in a key that no one can sing, <laughs> yeah. including myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. oh gosh. There's a, yeah, there's a story like that where this guy that was a friend of mine was singing, um, oh gosh, uh, how great thou art and they started the track and it was too high and it was oh lord my god that's too high yeah. same yeah. kind of thing <laughs> we all hit those key issues man thanks for being with us today um just again thank you for all you've allowed god to do through you for being faithful through the years and just being a pastor to so many leaders in your current location but just around the world charlie for the songs you've written that uh, people continue to be spurred on and encouraged by we, the church, say thank you, your brothers and sisters. And, man, I'd just love it if you'd pray us out and just pray for the leaders listening, and uh, then we'll sign off. Yeah, Jesus, I, I pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that the, the leaders listening to this, um, sitting in this moment, God, that, you would, um, that you'd reach deep into their heart, into their soul, into their mind, and that you would be the primary thing that forms them. And uh, you'd be the, the the center of their desire and the um, the goal of their life. And um, I also pray, Father, that you would anoint them, not for their glory, but for your glory, uh, so that the, the people around them, the people that you've given them, would um, follow you closely and, and uh, fall more in love with you and uh, want to speak more loudly and clearly of who you are. I pray all this in the in the name of Jesus, who, who's the King, the resurrected King that sits at the right hand of God, that can change, uh, that can change a nation, that can change a king's heart, that can uh, move this world. And I pray in in that name, Amen. Awesome, Charlie. Thanks so much again for being with us. Thanks for your time, and we'll continue to pray for all God has for you in the days to come. Thank you, buddy. Love you so much. All right. Hey, thanks for listening today, and we want you to remember that as you lead, we stand with you. There are thousands in the kingdom united with you to bring the message of hope in Christ as you lead week after week. We'll see you next time.